You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on Sunday's key matchups, take you round the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, and provide your fantasy fix. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Ross Tucker, the former NFL offensive lineman. Ross, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start with what went down last night. Did you view that as one of the strangest games of the year with all the Saints penalties and injuries and the Falcons won despite three picks from Matt Ryan? Yes. Uh, it was bizarre, but you know what, Brian? It, it was still entertaining, and, and this is the thing I've said. People complain about Thursday night football. Go ahead and compare and contrast Thursday night football this year to Sunday night football. In, in terms of competitive, entertaining games, it, it hasn't even been close. As long as it's a competitive game and late in the game, it's a one-score game, and you have some of the things that happen. I'm all aboard. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, a little unorthodox in a sense of what we had an opportunity to see as far as the injuries are concerned, uh, along with two quarterbacks who are best quarterbacks in the game, top five, top six guys in the game. Drew Brees, he ends up throwing an interception in the last play uh, of that game. And also you saw out of four touch, out of four passes, you saw three interceptions coming from Matt Ryan. How odd is that? And do you think that ever happens or, or will that happen again the next time we see them play? Yeah, you know, that was part of what was weird, Cordell. I mean, what, to see Matt Ryan have those bad picks and Breeze, and even at the end of the game, you know, Breeze took a sack when he had like seven seconds, it felt like, and the guy came all the way around. I felt bad for Teron Armstead, the left tackle. He blocked the guy perfectly, and Breeze still took a sack, which he's done such a good job in his career not doing that. Then he threw the pick, like you said. Matt Ryan had a couple terrible picks. And how about, you know, Dan Quinn, and Sean Payton both making mistakes at the end. And, I mean, Dan Quinn, I was surprised he didn't take the penalty. I think he thought the Saints would just kick the field goal to tie it. And then you have Sean Payton not even giving his Saints a chance to get the ball back to maybe tie. I mean, it was – last night was really a comedy of errors. But, you know, as long as it's still a competitive game at the end, there's some plays being made and just unbelievable the two plays that Deion Jones made at the end of the game. I mean, there's a reason – why you want athletic linebackers that can run and jump like that. And, Ross, ultimately, how much of last night's final score do you think is going to matter when it comes to who's going to win the NFC South because the Saints get a chance at redemption two weeks from now when they host the Falcons, potentially to win the division that game? Yeah, I still think the Saints win the NFC South. I think that they're the best team in the NFC South. Uh, But it it makes it a heck of a lot more interesting, not only in the NFC South, but – in the whole NFC, I mean, there are seven teams in the NFC that are better than everybody except for New England and Pittsburgh in the AFC. I mean, it's. I wish whoever the seventh seed ends up being in the NFC who doesn't make the playoffs, I wish they could go over the AFC and make the AFC a little more entertaining because right now we already know what the AFC championship game is. It's just a matter of whether or not the game's in Pittsburgh or New England. Are you buying the Atlanta Falcons at all? We saw six offensive players get injured for the New Orleans Saints, and they've still barely won this football game. How much you're buying the Atlanta Falcons? You know, they've struggled. You know, the, the last couple of weeks, I, you know, and they've played better teams against Minnesota and New Orleans. 
they struggled. I'm not really buying them. Here's the thing about the NFC, and I put Atlanta in the same category as I would Seattle or Carolina or the other teams that might be the wild card, and even some of the division winners. I really feel like any team that makes the NFC playoffs is capable of going to the Super Bowl. And I don't think that Atlanta will be able to get it done or that Carolina or Seattle will be able to get it done. I think those teams have shown flaws and that they're not as good as Philadelphia and Minnesota and New Orleans, but I wouldn't put it past them. Whereas in the AFC, I mean, I'd put it past them. They've got no shot. There's no way any of those teams are going to be able to beat New England or Pittsburgh and get to the Super Bowl. Taking you around the league with Ross Tucker. Check out the Ross Tucker podcast, also ballcannon.com. Ross, you always do a great job filling in for Dan Patrick, so let me give you a question McLovin might pose. Somebody's got to be the three seed in the AFC. I agree with you. It probably doesn't matter. Looks like it's going to be the Patriots and the Steelers again in the AFC title game, but if you had a slot, the third best team in the AFC, would you lean maybe Jacksonville's direction? Are you buying the Red Hot Chargers? Who would you pick? Uh, Those are the two. Uh, You nailed it, Brian. I mean, those are the two that came to mind right away. And I guess I would go with Jacksonville just because surprisingly and sneakily, you know, Blake Bortles has been playing pretty well recently. I mean, he's never going to be one of the top five guys. He's never going to have as good of accuracy as you would like. But you know what? He's been playing surprisingly well, and there's a reason why Jacksonville is rolling over people and then, what, the, what both those teams have is unbelievable pass defenses with the pass rush and then the corners. I mean, both those teams are loaded at the two most important positions on defense, and then you've got Rivers on offense, obviously, which gives the Chargers a chance. I just think the Chargers are going to have a little tougher path. They're not going to be the three seed, so they'll have a little bit of a tougher path. I, I, I think Jacksonville will, will be the three seed, and I think Jacksonville – has a chance, if anybody, to maybe beat a team like Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is a two-seed against Jacksonville as a three-seed. Could be a little interesting. We all know what happened earlier this season. Philadelphia Philadelphia has been the front runners all year in the NFC. Uh, they went on the road against a team that lost four games and struggling with a running game in, in Seattle. Secondary is almost diminished because you don't have Cam Chancellor as well as Richard Sherman. Uh, they went on the road and struggled. How much you're buying them uh, to be able to bounce back, especially going against a high-powered offense of the uh, L.A. Rams? You know, Cordell, if you ask me Monday, I feel like I would know everything I need to know about the Eagles. I believe that they're going to bounce back. I believe what happened Sunday in Seattle. I mean, Carson Wentz fumbles at the one. He missed a couple open guys. That usually doesn't happen for him. Doug Peterson wasn't as aggressive. Russell Wilson... I've never seen anybody like him. I mean, you, you did it at times too, Cordell, but I, I just you – know, you know, Cordell and Brian, you know how fast NFL D linemen are. I went against them. I, I couldn't even touch them sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Russell Wilson does that. I've never seen anything like it. Like, I, it, it makes me want to go back and watch Russell Wilson high school football highlights. I mean, what was it like? Well, he, they can't even touch him if it were flag football or two-hand touch sometimes, and then yet he still makes some of those ridiculous throws. It's, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, and that's what he did Sunday night. So I actually think Seattle is going to have a, a little bit back to earth after that. They had a lot of things go well. I expect them to lose in Jacksonville. Conversely, the Eagles stayed on the West Coast 
all week. They know what's at stake. And I have more faith in Wentz than I do in golf. And I think if you look, watch that Seattle game, Eagles O-line, D-line still played pretty well. I think they're going to get after golf pretty good on Sunday. I think the Eagles win and sort of uh, reestablish themselves being the best team in the NFC. So, Ross, based on your glowing praise of Russell Wilson, who, as you know, is the leading rusher this year for Seattle, where do you slot him in the MVP race? He's one for me. Uh, I would say one for him. And then Brady and Wentz, I can go back and forth. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, because I talked to Greg Cosell from NFL Matchup Show on, on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and the point he makes is that, Ross, at times there are guys that are wide open in Seattle's offense, and Russell doesn't just throw it. He just doesn't throw it to him. But then he runs around and does everything he does and makes a play and runs for 20 yards or throws 20 yards. But when you watch them, so many games this year, they haven't been able to run the ball. Their defense hasn't been as dominant. His O-line doesn't give him a whole lot of time, yet he's still making plays. Whereas in New England and Philadelphia, it feels like both Brady and Wentz have more help. They've been awesome. I mean, I'm saying they're 2-3 and in the MVP race, but they've got a lot more help, it feels like, around them than Russell does. So I would go with Russell with the MVP. In the AFC West, it's really crazy right now. Three teams sitting at six and six. You saw a Kansas City Chiefs team that started off five and zero. Oh. You saw a Chargers team that started off zero oh and four. Which team do you think are heading in the right direction to the point where you think they may end up winning this division? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's 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 clearly the Chargers. Even if you look at their game against the Redskins, the Redskins have been pretty good. They almost won. In New Orleans, they did win in Seattle. So it's not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination for the Chargers. But, you know, Chargers are going to win that game. Either the Raiders or Chiefs will lose a game. And then I'll be at Arrowhead next Saturday calling the game Saturday night for Westland 1 when the Chargers play the Chiefs. That will probably be, you know, the game that ends up being the division winner. I just like the Chargers, man. I mean, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are both in the top three in quarterback pressures. Um, I like the way Phillip Rivers is, is, is going right now with Keenan Allen. And I just like the momentum that they have. I mean, the odds that the momentum stops for the Chargers and that the, and that the Chiefs get it back what they had earlier in the year just doesn't seem real likely to me. Ross, as we wrap it up, undeniably, you've become a mogul in your post-NFL career. I mentioned filling in for Dan Patrick. We love the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Westwood One affiliation as well. What can you tell us about Ball Cannon? Yeah, it's a buddy of mine from my hometown. It's like a jugs machine, Brian, but way, way better. Lightweight, smaller. You can have it in your backyard or in your basement. It's really like the first football throwing machine that you can actually buy for your kid, whether he's 7 or 9 or 12. I bought one for my nephew last year for Christmas. He still talks about it, still plays with it for hours with his buddies. It's like it's, it's that gift that actually gets your kids outside and that they'll be talking about for years because, you know, we all had that gift when we were younger that we still remember when our parents gave it. This is it. I'm just telling you. You can change the speed, the launch angle, and nothing I say is going to do it justice. Just go to ballcannon.com, watch the video. Trust me, the thing is awesome. And in person, it's probably even – 10 times better than that.
And let me be the quintessential radio guy. Ross, it sounds like the ideal holiday gift. As always, we appreciate the information. Enjoy the games coming up this weekend. Tell Mike Florio to uh, stop giving you a hard time about, quote-unquote, only making the Princeton because you were a football player. There you go. Thank you, Brian. Be well, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Hey guys, you're listening to Dumb People Town on TuneIn. And since we're new here, we thought we'd tell you a little bit about our show. We have dumb ears on the ground. Our fans send in stories that have happened, real stories that have happened. And along with our co-host, we Dan, try to break down that material with Dan Van Dan Kirk. Dan Van Kirk, our co-host, breaks it down. And then us and a guest, we and a guest break it all down. And we try and make it funny for you. It is a fast hour and you will enjoy it. It's a riff fast. Silly. You can hear episodes of our show a full week early right here on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's take you round the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, from your vantage point, is it hard to have a firm analysis of what happened last night? Because that was just a strange game. About this before, anytime the Saints and the Falcons get together, it's either a high school affair or it's one of those games that we saw. Uh, last night, so I'm, I'm not really too surprised, but I learned a lot about the New Orleans Saints offense, and it's been an offense that's been known to be just a pass-heavy offense. It quickly changed into an offense that had a two-headed monster in Tawana and Ingram, and we saw Kamara go out early in that game after having two good carries, and you figured as though he's going to have another sensational ball game, and after he went out, that was just a one-pony show. It was just Mark Ingram, we've seen last night that, you know, this is a team that needs both healthy backs. And, you know, it speaks volumes to just the, the skill set and the level of play that Kamara brings to that, that Saints offense. It's kind of like a youthful, you know, revitalization of watching him catch balls out of the backfield. And it was really tough watching him struggle to get off the field after he took that, that shot. But it told me a lot about, the New Orleans Saints and, and how that offense only flourishes now with having both of those backs picking up big yards. Nick, when you watch how this game actually unfolded, it was kind of, I guess I could say lopsided just a bit. You had the quarterback in the first four passes he threw, he threw three interceptions. And then you look at the offense of the Saints, they lose, what, six offensive players, Camara. I mean, you can go down the list and some defensive players. Uh, I know we've never seen anything like that before, but – when you look at the next matchup when everyone's healthy and everything's there, do you see this falling in the hands of, of the Atlanta Falcons team where this New Orleans Saints team still had an opportunity to win considering all the things that went wrong for them? No, and, and this next matchup, you know, now the Saints get them on their home for your own turf. And I expect a different outcome for the New Orleans Saints because they know what they're playing for. Right now, the Atlanta Falcons, they're just trying to keep their heads above water and just trying to stay in the race in hopes of, you know, making the playoffs and maybe even making a run for that NFC South. But this is a division that, you know, it's, it's still the Saints to lose right now. You lose Kamara, you talk about losing all those players on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, that that's tough for any player. You understand as a quarterback, you don't want to see a lot of your main weapons go out of the game. So if you're Sean Payton, that's what you're telling your team. No, we didn't execute the way that we felt that we, we could have executed or we executed in the past, but we've lost some, some key cards in the wheel. 
And once we get them back on our home turf, that being Atlanta Falcons, we're going to have a different outcome. Our crowd is going to be with us. Our defense is going to play that much better. Now we would have Alvin Kamara now to give us these explosive plays that we've seen him give us early in the season. So this still is a division regardless of what happened last night. You've got to think about it. Like you said, Matt Ryan threw three ill-advised interceptions, and that was a problem for uh, this team a week ago. You know, only scoring nine points, Leo Jones not getting the ball, Leo Jones dropping balls, which is pretty much unheard of. But now you got to think if you're the Saints. This is a Falcons team that they don't believe themselves. They really truly don't believe because they just barely won that game last night. If Drew Brees throws that ball up two more inches, it's a confession to the tight end. And now they're talking about the Falcons as far as their playoff hopes just being lost after the loss against the New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football. Taking you around the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety who spent a decade in the National Football League. My co-host this and every Sunday down the stretch, NFL First and Goal, Tune In Premium, seven hours, commercial-free, live listen-ins. As the big plays are happening, we take you there. It's not me projecting about it. The actual play-by-play call, there's nothing like it in our industry. Nick, who's the real Matt Ryan? The fellow who had incredible stats a year ago, won the league MVP award, or the quarterback who struggled this year with all the turnovers. Was last year the aberration, or is this year the outlier? You know what? I think for for me, last year uh, was kind of the outlier because, you know, Kyle Shanahan, both he and Matt Ryan, it took them about a year and a half to kind of get on the same page. And it just showed you, you know, what can happen when you have two guys are really trying to dedicate themselves to being better as a coordinator, one as a quarterback. And we've seen in years past where different coordinators, when Dirk Cutter was there, uh, Matt Ryan was really pass happy and getting inside the red zone and then coming up, hitting pay dirt with touchdowns, that proved to be a problem as well. We knew that throwing the ball around uh, the field would be something that say, well, the more you throw the ball around, the more increases your opportunity to throw an interception. And right now, I still feel it, that, that Super Bowl, no matter what people say, and the Falcons say they move past it, that's still in the back of their mind. That's still in the back of Matt Ryan's head. And you can see when he makes some of those ill-advised throws, you're thinking to yourself, well, what are you thinking about? You, you, you're an MVP last year. MVP, you know, really doesn't make those type of mistakes. Those are rookie-type mistakes, and you're not helping your team. You're only hindering them by making those mistakes. So this is a Matt Ryan that we've seen in years past. And it's just like they say, when the chickens come home to roost, and right now they're coming back to roost, and, they're, and those chickens are clucking really hard. And Matt Ryan and what we saw last night, that's the real, the real Matt Ryan. Nick, when you watched the Philadelphia Eagles play against Seattle on the road, um, you saw a different football team in both teams, in Seattle as well as Philadelphia. How concerned are you of this Philadelphia team, considering they've been held to 10 points and they pretty much had their way with everyone else, knowing that this defense in Seattle didn't have their best players on the, in the secondary? You know what, Cordell, that, that was a good test for the Philadelphia Eagles to see where they were. I expected them to go into Seattle, even though it was a very tough place to play. But, you know, no Sherman, no Cam Chancellor. You have, you know, uh, the, the, the disarray that's happening as far as the the uh, corners consideration, and they were not able to take advantage of it. When you go back and watch that game, there were a couple of things that stuck out to me. When the Seattle Seahawks are able to rush 
three pass rushes and still get to the throat of Carson Wentz, that's an issue. So you, you can expect to see everyone from here on out, they're going to rush three and drop eight and try to cause confusion. And that running game with Jay Ajayi that was fantastic early on in the season didn't seem to be a spark, you know, when the, the Philadelphia Eagles really needed it to be. So if, if, if you're Doug Peterson, you're definitely concerned about that. Our team didn't show up when we needed it to show up. And I know the biggest statement, and you say, well, when we look at it, you want to make sure your team is battle-tested, that they've had a couple of lumps going into the playoffs so they know what they're playing for. But when you lose against a team that you should beat because they have some deficiencies on the offensive line and on the defensive side of the ball, and guys have said, you know, maybe we overlooked them. Maybe we were patting ourselves on the back. That's a problem. If they don't like this ship and correct some of those issues, they can find themselves on the outside looking in and saying, well, hey, we went on that long run for nothing, and it yielded no Super Bowls, no playoffs, nothing. Just everyone sitting home saying what we could have accomplished if we stay the course. Nick, great information as always. As we say goodbye, where are you? Are you in a submarine? Are you on a sneaker phone that Sports Illustrated used to sell? We have a funky connection, and you're better than that. Well, yeah, I, I am. Unfortunately, you know, where, where I am, I'm in a bad area. Ah, so you said uh, you're better than that. For the connection, <laughs> I know my man, um, Nick. Not being 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 what what it is, but sometimes you have to be a professional. You roll with the punches. Hey, you got to get in where you fit in. That's all. Tell him how it is, Nick. Go ahead. Nick is hey, the most listen. meticulous person I've ever worked with, and I know Nick would map it out and say, "Okay, I got to talk to B. Webb as I go third person in case two. I'm going to get to a good spot." But sometimes life hands you a challenging circumstance, and Nicky got ad lib. You know what? Yeah, that that is the case when you know life gives you lemons. Mm. You just try to make you know lemonade, throw a little. Uh, Strawberry flavor in it, like Cordell oh, great in there as well. Yeah, so make something oh, out nice. of it. Eddie Murphy, lemonade, that cool, refreshing Y'all drink. Made it sound like that brother That's ran from the do. plus ten yard line to get a touchdown. Have a coconut topic. smile, Nick. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Be good. All right, you too. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. With more than 30 First Play podcasts on TuneIn, you can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows before they're available anywhere else. Hey there, it's Mike Rowe. This is The Way I Heard It, the only podcast for the curious mind with a short attention span. We're at episode number 83, incredibly. I'm Jack Hitt. And I'm Chinjirai Kumanyika. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for the latest installment of the Fantasy Fix. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the Fantasy Fix. Always a pleasure to talk fantasy football with our great friend Michael Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Mike, let's take you back to last night. Saints lost, but there were some decent fantasy performances. We know about Michael Thomas. Who is Tommy Lee Lewis? And you know I want to say, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. You had to get that in along the way, of course. So, you know, I, I think that was the number one searched 
uh, item last night. <laughs> Everybody said, hey, someone found the end zone. Well, 10 receptions, 116 yards, and that touchdown on the year, and certainly one that I think he had a lot of fist shaking saying that's a wasted touchdown in fantasy land, except for Drew Brees' owners, who then got dinged the two points for the applicable interception uh, as everybody lost their minds in the final minutes of that game. Mike, give me the value of Carr and the receivers of the Raiders without Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper out again. Well, the fact that Peters, uh, you know, got himself suspended. I don't know how you're fighting for a divisional crown and you say, hey, best defender. I know you were an idiot last week, but you don't get to play uh, in a divisional matchup. (laughs) What's that uh, tell you? That tells you Andy Reid's got a lot of job security. (laughs) It seems like everything. (laughs) Exactly. You know what? I'm going to do something crazy and go over the top. Uh, Derek Carr, top end number two at best this week. Still looking to, I mean, even though Kansas City's been civ-like at times defensively, tough to get too uh, excited about him overall since the number one option uh, isn't there, although we can make the argument about crap Tree. Back end number one for him, that 10 through 12 range. Uh, you want to go a little deeper in, in the sleeper pool then perhaps we look at Cordero Patterson, but that's waiting uh, a lot deeper than I think we want to in these either final week of the regular season or the first week of fantasy playoffs. Mike, I have some tweets for you. Your favorite, column A, column B, column C. Let's start yeah, with McKinnon, C.J. Anderson, Alex Collins. Pick one, flex spot, PPR league. Not the greatest of matchups for Alex Collins, but we're going to go for him. Maybe he could run a a couple of out routes uh, and go against that Pittsburgh secondary that way. But uh, Alex Collins, based on the workload, gets the nod. This Minnesota Vikings defense is about as stingy as it gets. They don't allow anyone to score points. You saw what they did against the Rams. But Mm -hmm. they play against Cam Newton this week, and give me his value against this tough Vikings defense. Oh, it's tough. He's, he's another one that right around where Derek Carr is in that mid number two where I'll take my shots, you know, even, even with the outside pressure of, say, the, the Denver cornerbacks that McCown will have a better day, that Mariota, uh, despite his fantasy irrelevance much of the year, uh, I think I'll feel more secure with him. With Cam, I think the only real uh, upside that we're looking for is if he takes off and runs in this particular matchup. You've got uh, Olsen still banged up. You've got Funches banged up. You've, you've got a lot of question marks in terms of the receiving core. So uh, difficult matchup against Minnesota. Fantasy Fix, Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, I have another one for you. This time a quartet, but you get to pick two. Dez, Goodwin, Hogan, Hogan? Chris Hogan, Alshon nice, Jeffrey. Nicely done. Thank you, because I'm just stuck on references from watching TV as a kid. Pick Even two. You're watching that uh, autofocus movie. Wow. No, this is a family show. HBO. Do not go to bobcrane.com. Let me save the show. Pick two of them, Michael, please. Who was the fourth guy? I was doing the bit. Alshon Jeffrey matching up with a steely Rams defense. Oh, I like that. But uh, Jeffrey's still going to find his way into our lineup in this quartet uh, alongside. uh, We'll we'll go with Des Bryant. I do like Goodwin. He's a nice uh, ninja sleeper option for you this week. I think there's definitely opportunity against the Houston secondary. uh, But no. And as for Hogan, uh, I want to see him play a full game before I get excited about him getting back into the mix. We've had an opportunity to see Brett Hundley. Uh, improve. Let's just say improve. But right. they visit this Green Bay offense visits this this Greg. What is it? This Greg Williams stingy uh, Browns defense. Give me your take on how he'll play. Well, that's 
that's the interesting thing, right? Uh, everybody looks at the record and immediately dismisses them. It's like Cleveland's actually done some things right. They haven't gotten the front office uh, continuity thing uh, that the rest of the league is striving for down, but uh, there, there are some pieces to it. Uh, Hunley, I, I think here you're, you're still looking at a, a back-end number two in that 20-24 to 24 range uh, as it sh- shakes out you know, down where you're going to find the Blaine Gabbards, Blake Bortles of the world. Uh, maybe a little bit in terms of the rushing attack that he'll, he'll be able to give you uh, a couple of points there, but we can't bank on, on a repeat stellar performance out of him. It was it was a nice one-time throw with Adams and others rising up, but I think this is more done on the ground this week uh, with Jones uh, and with Williams. Talking fantasy football, Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, you're the expert, so I need you to walk us through the logic of how you approach Cam Newton. From a casual fan's perspective, I'm thinking, all right, it's Cam. He's going to get you points with his legs as well. Still, it's all about matchups, and you know what he has failed to do when he's faced a Mike Zimmer defense in the past, right? Well, that's just it. Is you know, we we look at him on the whole, and and the some of the great performances have come in, in outlier spots, but this isn't one where you, you can go with a big vote of confidence here in week one of the fantasy playoffs. I mean, that's for sure. You're not getting the consistency in terms of the passing yards. you got four of the last five. He's under 200 yards, only one over 250 in his last seven starts. Uh, and then along the way, you've only had two multi-touchdown games. It's just too hard uh, to, to look at him overall, and, and even if the numbers – for the season stat, and this is where it gets deceiving, even if you go through and you look at fantasy scoring at the position, he's still number five on the strength of the 515 rushing yards, but if we parse it down game for game, there's three or four big games and a lot of duds mixed therein, so uh, I'm staying away this week. I'm going to go find another option. We all know teams that have to travel very far don't always fare well when it comes down to playing certain games, particularly when you go from the East Coast, from the West Coast to the East Coast. That's Seattle traveling to Jacksonville. Give me your expectation for Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin against this tough defense better known as Saxville. Good secondary. We're still waiting to see whether Ramsey's going to be available or not, but for Russell Wilson, again, making some plays with his legs uh, and starting to get a little bit of balance with the run game with McKissick and with with Mike Davis back in the mix. Uh, he comes in in that 8-10 to 10 range behind, uh, well, would have been Matt Ryan before last night's uh, curiosity, uh, Roethlisberger against Baltimore, etc. When we look at Doug Baldwin, uh, he's been fairly consistent, but for this week we're going to slide him down into that 20-23 to 23 range. Uh, again, looking at those individual matchups on the outside, but red zone targets, and that's where you're putting your, hanging your hat on if you're really endorsing him. He's too good, too many targets to sit in a title-chasing kind of atmosphere, but certainly not the, the matchup you're hoping to see come fantasy playoffs. And for that matter, we got a lot of those this week, some good games for the NFL fan to sit back and, and pop a beverage and, and have some nice snacks. But from a fantasy perspective, going to be a lot of nervous people with uh, their fictional um, ducats on the line. Fictional, thank you, because we know it's only for entertainment purposes. Really, entertainment purposes only. Buddy. Fictional, fictional debits and credits. That's Finally, right. Mike, else. You, could, you could still mock your, 
your friends oh, and family. Yeah. I mean, that's that's real. There's no imaginary way about that. Nothing says the holidays like ruining a friendship over fantasy football. Finally, because you're a like pop. it's never been done before. Culture maven. It's a long tradition. Here, Somehow yesterday, during our fantasy analysis, I brought up the big Lebowski, and I could tell because yeah. Cordell and I Skype. We're not in the same studio. Cordell was not familiar with the greatness of the movie. I tried to lay it out. Oh, boy. You're smarter and more articulate than me. Tell my man Cordell he's got to check out The Big Lebowski sometime in the not-too-distant future. Cordell, this will change your life forever. I mean, this is really what it comes down to. Jeff Brady just turned 68 the other day. I mean, John Goodman, is this your homework? Is this your homework? I mean, come on. Steve Buscemi, young and, and bright-eyed and well, big-eyed uh, as well, and, and Julianne Moore in all her glory. So, I mean, you've got everything you need, a, a lot of uh, vulgarities. You learn how to make a white Russian, and, and you can do a, a lot of greatness with one-liners that will get you in the know and, and get you past the velvet rope for the rest of your life. How about a Moscow mule? Do I learn how to make mm. one of those? I, well, I can help you out with that. If you, that's what it's going <laughs> to take you to hair, enjoy. With the purple hair and everything? <laughs> I got, you know what? I just touched it up, buddy. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Mike, please. Holidays. Mike, Holidays. you're a father. Holidays. Mike, is Mike, you're a father. You're a role model. I am a role model. And you know what they, they're learning? Life's about having a little bit of fun along the way, too. <laughs> okay. You know, you kick, kick some tail in the workplace. Keep grinding. But at the same time, you can have a laugh, too. It's just hair, buddy. Okay. Well, the good thing is you work at night, so my former boss won't say, My man, he's what's with it. the purple hair, oh, my man? This is a workplace. He's, he's like, I don't know what's going on with you, um, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a look. Use. Okay. Well, he's got his own problems. Michael, happy holidays. <laughs> we'll chat with you next week as they take a shot of the former boss. Mike, have a wonderful weekend. We'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Peace and love, guys. Go win. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was. It's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on football and physics with Neil deGrasse Tyson from Star Talk. Another third down here, third and nine. Four-man rush. Wilson's stepping up. He's going to run for it. He's going to flip the ball off to Mike Davis to the 35-yard line. It's time for the Playing with Science Checkdown, where science and sports collide. Let's say hello to our friends from Star Talk, Chuck Nice and the renowned scientist Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson with a reminder you can catch every new episode of Playing with Science and the entire Star Talk lineup a week early only on TuneIn. Chuck, this play created a lot of buzz on Monday. Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll said Neil was the right person to weigh in. So what could you tell us? Well, uh, first of all, let me just say full disclosure, I am extremely biased because I am an Eagles fan, born and bred. And, uh, you know, I think that um, according to NFL rules, this play is invalid. But um, world-renowned scientist uh, and the science educator Neil deGrasse Tyson may have something different different to say about that. So who am I to speak out of turn? I'll let him take it from here. Neil, what's up? (laughs) How are you guys doing? 
you know, I, there I was minding my own business, and then I get this, you know, it's almost like a bat signal up in the sky. <laughs> Pete Carroll started calling my name on Twitter, and and I said, you know, what's up? And uh, they had me review this play, and I, I was completely enchanted by it because it's a, it's a uh, it clearly uh, the ball went backwards in the reference frame of Wilson and Davis. And that's, a, that's something that we think about often in physics. What is your reference frame and what's happening in this, in, this, in this world that is moving with itself? And so I said that, you know, for all the world looks like a legit lateral, but then you look at it in slow motion, and indeed the ball goes forward about a half a yard or so. And I guess according to NFL rules, that should have been disallowed. But that means then that you cannot – it means if you have two fast runners, you, the, the runner you pass it to can be behind you before you pass it, when you pass it, and after you pass it. And it could be disallowed just because you're running fast. And it seems to me the intent of that, the, the rule should not be to preclude two fast runners going down the field. And so if there's an occasion to update – uh, uh, an NFL rule? Do they do this? I and mean, somebody must be doing it because the NFL has the fattest rule book of any professional sports. So somebody's adding rules. So, so I'm just thinking this would be an interesting test case for allowing a backwards throw when everybody's moving down the, f- the field fast. And what is it called? Uh, the, you used in your tweet uh, a Galilean. What is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's called a Galilean transformation. So, so uh, in other words, if you are the grid and you're watching everything happen, you're the gridiron, you will see the ball go backwards. But if you're not the grid, if you are the moving players, you see the ball. Sorry, sorry. said that wrong. If you are the grid, you will see the ball go forward by a half a yard. That's your worldview. If you are the moving players, if you are the sightline of every viewer watching this play unfold down the field, because your eyes are now part of that moving reference frame, you will see the ball go backwards. So, for example, if you're on an airplane and you toss an apple to someone three rows back, as far as you're concerned, you toss the apple backwards. But the plane is going 500 miles an hour forwards. So the ending point of that apple compared to Earth's surface, is much farther forward than where you threw the ball. So are you going to say, I threw it forward? No, you're going to say you threw it backwards. Because you are in a world where everybody's moving in, in the same direction at the same speed. So, so my sense, I, I don't have a strong opinion here. I'm just offering it as an analysis in case someone wants to say, it was not our intent to have a a lateral precludes this kind of toss. And if they said that, then they have to modify the rules. Gotcha. So I, I love science, and I love Dr. NDT, but as an Eagles fan, the only reasonable takeaway for me is clearly Galileo was an ignorant buffoon who knew nothing <laughs> about football. So that's... <laughs> fly, Eagle, fly. Neil, I always love to pepper you with questions. We appreciate the time. So we know, based on what I recall from grammar school science, a debate about black holes in space. Do they actually exist? If the Cleveland Browns don't win a game this season... Would that be a vortex like a black hole where nothing can survive in professional football? Well, we would need to put 
top people on that to research them. <laughs> 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 it would be clear that they were in a vortex. The question is, the problem is, once you fall into a black hole, you are never coming out. A vortex, you have to struggle hard to, to escape it, and maybe it's just a really deep vortex, but they haven't crossed the event horizon yet. Well, they won a game last year, Neil. So you're saying there's hope and possibility. Guys, as always, we appreciate the information. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you on Sunday on NFL First and Goal on TuneIn Premium. Thanks a lot, Brian. That was the Playing With Science Checkdown. Make sure to check out the Playing With Science podcast with new episodes premiering one week early, all free, only on TuneIn. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. This is Uncivil, where we ransack America's history and discover that the past is never really past. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City and beaming out across all of space and time, this is Star Talk, where science and pop culture collide. Search First Play Podcasts and listen early, listen often, and listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on the field on Sunday. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. We have five and a half minutes to pick every game on the schedule. Eight early games, three and nine Colts on the road at Buffalo. Bill six and six. Tyrod Taylor banged up with a knee injury. It won't matter. I'm taking the Bills at home. How about you? I'm right with you on that one, bro. I'm going with the Bills. Three and nine Bears on the road at Cincinnati. Bengals five and seven. Joe Mixon out due to the concussion. They have a variety of injuries. I'm still taking the Bengals at home. How about you? I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals again. Winless Cleveland, Hugh Jackson with some job security, despite the fact they're 0-12, hosting the Packers' critical game for the 6-6 and pack, led by Brent Hundley for one more week. I'm taking Green Bay on the road. How about you? I'm going with Hundley. Let's go, baby. Aaron Rodgers next week. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. Divisional showdown in the AFC West. A pair of 6-6 six and six teams. Oakland on the road to Kansas City. Marcus Peters suspended by the Chiefs. I'm taking the Raiders on the road. How about you? I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Alex Smith and his team plays well. I mean, Tariq Hill, Alex Smith, they played great last week. I think it carries over this week at home at Arrowhead, in the home of the Chiefs. Let's go. Six and six Cowboys on the road to the Meadowlands. This game featuring the return of Eli Manning to the starting lineup. It will not matter. Dallas will win the football game. How do you see it? Of course. Come on, Dak Prescott and company will get this thing done. Let's go, Cowboys. Okay, Dak, though, dealing with a hand injury, and that's the issue for Matthew Stafford. Could be a game-time decision. On the road to Tampa Bay, Bucks are four and eight. Lions six and six, desperately needing this victory. I'm going to take the Lions. I'm holding my breath, but I just don't believe in the Bucks. Even if Stafford can't go, Lions win it tight. How do you see it? The only man I've ever seen eat a W before, Jameis Winston. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he eats him one this week against the Detroit Lions. Marquee matchup in North Carolina. Eight and four Panthers hosting the 10 and two Vikings, who have won eight consecutive victories. You know I'm not buying Case Keenum. This is the week he's exposed. Panthers win. How about you? You don't have to buy him. He's been purchased already. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings. Case Keenum! 
welcome in the Minnesota Vikings back to you. 2-10 San Francisco picked up a road victory last week at Chicago. Looking to do it again on the road at 4-8 Houston. I'm going to take the Texans at home. How about you? You know what? I'm going with... Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers. Jed York's a mastermind. Let's go 49ers. That gets us to five late games. The Jets, one of the better stories in all of football. They're five and seven on the road at three and nine. Denver, who have imploded with eight consecutive losses, make it nine. The Jets win. How do you see it? I'll go with Josh McCown and company. <laughs> That's hard to say, but yeah, I'll go with the Jets on that. Eight and four, Tennessee trying to win their division on the road at five and seven, Arizona. It's a Titan victory. What's your call? I'm going with the Titans. Mike Malarkey and the Tennessee Titans. Not too long ago, your Chargers were 0-4. They're now 6-6, hosting the 5-7 Redskins, who are going to win this game, in my view, on the road in Southern California. What say you? I'm going with the Chargers at the StubHub Stadium. Stadium. And guess what? It's going to be full, by the way. I think it's going to be rocking there in L.A. I'm going with the L.A. Chargers, yes, Amazing. 27,000 people will show up at a soccer stadium. The game of the day. 9-3 Rams hosting the 10-2 Eagles. Well, I'm buying more than you because I did not drop them out of my top five. Eagles win on the road. How do you see it? I'm going with the Rams. I think we're going to ram it. I think they continue their quest of trying to be one of the best teams in this conference. I think Philadelphia still hadn't found their way. I'm going with the L.A. Rams. All right, we were too efficient. We can take a breath now because we have a little bit more time before we get to the end of the show. Take but I'm the human accordion. I'm here to stretch out with you. You gave me a good lean. Now I need the particulars. Why do you think 8-4 and four Seattle is going to win on the road matching up with the 8-4 and four Jaguars? I know it's easier said than done when picking this game. Uh, it's easy to just come out and say, that team is going to win, that team's going to lose. But I just think the experience of this football team it's going to be much better than hope and wishing uh, that they can play good, mainly because of Blake Bortles. Uh, I know this defense is, is a really darn good defense. Um, you mentioned Jalen Ramsey. It's a little gimpy. Um, I think he still plays. I don't think that's an issue, to be honest. Uh, but I think when it comes to the deficiencies on this offense, I think it gets exposed even more now because you deal with a bunch of veterans on the, on the defensive side of that football, let alone what you have when it comes to the focus of someone like a Russell Wilson and what they're trying to accomplish. All right, so you're going with Seattle on the road. Yeah. I'm taking mm-hmm. the Jaguars because they're America's team, international team. 45 yeah. seconds ago, they're going to conquer London in the future. Steelers can win the division with a victory over Baltimore. You've lived this rivalry. Pittsburgh looking for their eighth consecutive victory. Who's going to win in 30 seconds or less? I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it's going to be a close one. It's all It always is. Baltimore loves to travel on the road. They're not afraid to go into Pittsburgh and get a victory. I know they have momentum, but I'm still rocking with the Steelers. And I'm with you. They're not going to miss Juju Smith-Schuster, who earned that suspension. They have so many weapons. Pittsburgh wins. They're going to take the division as well. Enjoy all the games this weekend on TuneIn Premium. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.